I'm Steve White, a Suns fan since 1988, and you're listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. Welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast. We do appreciate you guys joining us. I'm not going to forget the introduction today. Joining us, as always, Mr. Greg Esposito. Ahoy, hoy. And of course, we could not forget managing editor of Bright Side of the Sun, Dave King. Whoop, whoop. Hey, how's it going, everybody? So, I, you know, I feel like we got kicked in the mouth a little bit. This was a loss that, that I had kind of anticipated. It seemed like a bad matchup to me just going into it. I didn't feel really confident in the game. Um, but it wasn't the normal for this season so far. Uh, one point loss that we're used to. Uh, the game never particularly even felt like it was close, even when the Suns came back and tied Miami a couple of times. It just never really felt like they quite had the edge. Uh, all of a sudden, there were a lot of people on Suns Twitter that were kind of freaking out. Um, what's your guys' take on this? Uh, my take is simple. This is not the same team that we've watched. It's okay if they have a loss because from time to time, that's going to happen. And it'll likely happen more often than not this season, even though uh, we all are hoping that this turns into some magical uh, 40, you know, multiple 40-plus win season this year. But the, the reality is they will likely lose more than they win this year. Uh, but the thing was, it wasn't a... a horrible kick in the teeth like a lot of losses last year uh to your point tim it was a bad matchup and miami uh appears to be this was a, only a, a nudge in the teeth yeah, is that it yeah, just a well, tap this this it, it miami appears to be a <laughs> decent team this was not dallas losing to new york all right this uh, on friday night <laughs> this was uh this was a a suns team that wound up Having a rough night defensively, uh, their bench didn't didn't score, and uh, and the ball movement wasn't as crisp as it has been. So they lost to a good team. It's going to happen. I'm not panicked. The numbers, the eye test, they still pass both of those. Uh, I think this is is just simply a, a loss that was was bound to bound to happen. Uh, this season was it great to be five and two? Was it was it great to ride that massive wave of momentum? Sure, but but in reality, uh, there's going to be nights like uh, like that, and and that's all right as long as they bounce back uh, over the next few games and prove that it's not a trend uh, and that it was simply uh, you know an off night. Then then things are all right. All right. Well, that's the pod. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, no, I think they should actually panic and trade everybody. That's ridiculous. I can't believe they lost to the Miami Heat. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, now, now we sound like so, uh, portions of Suns Twitter. All right, now we're cooking with gas. Right. <laughs> we're cooking with gas. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Frank Kaminsky is afraid to shoot. I mean, uh, why'd we even sign him in the first place? <laughs> Look, look, Mont- Monty's offense, uh, Monty Williams' offense is all predicated on, you know, that .5 second, making quick decisions, moving the ball. Hey, guess who's the most open on offense? Ricky Rubio. Shocker. <laughs> but but they, they slowed against Miami. They were not moving a- as crisp as they had. Monty, uh, Monty mentioned it, and it was pretty obvious uh, with, the eye, with the eye test as well. And if this team does not execute on both sides of the ball that's when they're going to have problems because they're not going to out talent wait when the, when the team doesn't execute 
they can't win? Yes, I know. It's it's it's, it's, it's shocking analysis. But some teams, uh, AKA like the analysis. Lakers, uh, you know, can cannot execute and still thrive off the backs of having two superstars uh, in in LeBron and Anthony Davis. the The reality is the Suns don't have that luxury. If they do not, uh, you know, perf- uh, perform and execute that game plan and those systems uh, to perfection, in, in some cases, they will have rough nights. Hey, uh, shout out to Rip Ford 93 right now in the YouTube chat. One for donating five bucks to the solar panel show. We really hey, do appreciate you. Thanks, but Rip. he made it. He made a good point. He said, if you were to tell me that the Suns had their first bad game of the year, um, eight games into the season, he would have thought you were lying. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the first bad game of the year is the first game. <laughs> So I did second, I, usually <laughs> I, I did hear some analysis. Uh, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I uh, distinctly I heard it and I, I thought that's just absolutely wrong. I do want to get your guys's take. Uh, the point that the person was making was that if the Suns would have had Aiton in that game, they could have uh, used Aiton defensively to switch out onto Jimmy Butler because he can guard big wings on the perimeter. Thoughts. <laughs> what? DeAndre Ayton was supposed to guard and stop Jimmy Butler. I what? Look, here's let's uh, we can talk about that for just a second. Um, DeAndre, yes, the Suns would be better with DeAndre Ayton. Hey, shocker! You add a super talented guy to back up Aaron Baines, even if you're thinking in the smallest possible way, taking Frank Kaminsky's minutes or taking taking a little bit of Dario's minutes. Yeah, Ayton's going to be better. Will the Suns as a, overall win more games? I, I mean, it's tough to win more games than going five and two against the toughest schedule in the league, you know, um, and losing that eighth game against Miami, who was hot as a buzzsaw and ready and raring to go. Friday night after uh, beating the Suns, Miami kind of laid an egg against the Lakers and you, teams cannot keep it up. Miami also the yeah, game before that laid an egg against Denver. So teams can't keep up the, the, what I remember what Igor Kokoshkov said a year ago. And of course things didn't work out well for Igor. We know this, but one of the things he said was that, uh, you can't win every game just on effort. You have to actually play good basketball. You have to, the players have to play. You can't just, cause he said he was always against, I can't, I'm not going to coach effort. Um, I got to coach basketball and then they've got to show the effort. Well, that's true. I, I would say Monty probably would out loud say the same thing, but, uh, in reality, Monty's coaching effort and his, his, his staff is coaching effort. You can't always have that effort every time. And he did Monty, Monty Williams did mention something. He said that the team, um, needed to block out all the noise. Well, that means, and what he meant by all the noise was all the national people suddenly saying the Suns are legit. There were several um, national voices saying the Suns are going to be fighting for a playoff spot now based on everything they're doing is sustainable, things like that. I mean, it can get into your head a little bit and you can let your guard down a little bit. I mean, we didn't see Aaron Baines letting his guard down because the dude never lets his guard down. Uh, He needs to work the wall. Um, (laughs) And uh, he, he really worked hard. Ricky Rubio didn't let his guard down, but some of the other guys might have just a slight bit. And uh, even though it didn't look like Devin Booker did either overall, the defense kind of slipped a little bit. 
in the past couple of games, not just um, the uh, not just the Miami game. So Monty's excited about getting these guys back into practice so he can show them uh, what maybe is slipping, what they're doing wrong and how they have to play to win. Uh, but going back to the original comment on DeAndre Ayton, I do think that the Suns would be better with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, that's not a shock. They would be. They'll be a little different, and that doesn't mean Aaron Baines plays less minutes. It doesn't mean any um, any of the better players on the Suns roster play less minutes. It's just that Monty would have more people to go to if someone's not playing well. Um, Amin Al Hassan of ESPN has been to the last few Suns games, and uh, he's. He's always so much nicer in person than he is about the Suns on on, on air. Um, he obviously doesn't have any positive feelings toward the organization, but he does like the way the team is playing. Anyway, he's been there at the games, and he laughs because I spend half a media half my time half the game on media row yelling Frank every time he passes up an open shot um, because uh, that's the problem with the Suns offense is when players are not actually playing within the offense and doing what they're supposed to do. Dario's been passing up some shots. There are guys who are not performing as well as they could. And uh, it would be nice to be able to throw a Deandre Ayton out there to see if he can perform better. He's certainly consistent uh, and he's not going to go from, uh, you know, 15 and 10 to two and one on a particular night on a, on a regular basis, like the Suns are getting from some of their guys. So, yeah, um, I think they would now putting Deandre Ayton on Jimmy Butler, uh, maybe for a play, but not for a game, not for any, any significant amount of time. No, look, they, they would be better with Deandre Ayton out there, but whoever made that comment and I didn't hear it or read it. So I don't know who it is. I should be taking some of those diuretics that Deandre was on because they obviously need to flush some drugs out of their system. Because that is that is a pretty dumb comment. <laughs> sometimes I, I sometimes I hear stuff um, uh, by by uh, you know uh, uh, team reporters or whoever it might be, um, and it just really makes me question whether or not I understand basketball. Just say uh, when who I hear it was. St- come on, I no, need to know no. who said. Th- I, yes, I'll I'll, I'll tell we, you off. Eric. Oh come on, no, I, don't. Well, who, whoever it was, uh, we don't in, need to throw people under the bus. They were just having a, a moment. Whoever it was, yeah. uh, enjoy flushing your system because you <laughs> uh, William on the chat. Thank you so much for your donation. We appreciate it. That five bucks will go to uh, uh, Dave's uh, rejuvenation uh, experience, so he can look like he's seventy instead of eighty-five. We appreciate it. And yes, go on easy. Are you commenting on how I look this morning, Greg? Is I that am. it? You, you mm-hmm. look younger. You look in your seventies. Congratulations. <laughs> It 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 will be very nice though having DeAndre Ayton back uh, for the simple fact that whether or not it's Ayton or Bain starting that uh, Frank Kaminsky can spend much less time at the five. Yes, and I think that will benefit him the whole team. I think uh, I think that's probably the biggest effect of the DeAndre Ayton suspension is the the impact on the bench and the way these rotations are working. The bench Plus the becomes do get a little predictable. Um, even when they're playing well, they get a little predictable when all your big men are all hanging around the three point line to take threes. Um, teams can start scheming a little bit better for that, and I think it's much better if. If you can, um, uh, you know, switch that up a little bit with Deon, like with DeAndre Aiden, for example. Well, especially because uh, during the bench lineups that Frank Kaminsky is playing the five, he tends to be playing an undersized five as well. 
-hmm. so it's much easier for them to switch out on the perimeter. I do want to bring this up uh, because Greg made a point about missing DeAndre Ayton um, has really it, it impacted the bench more than anything else. Yeah. That being said, uh, Cam Johnson now is uh, around a negative 15 hour. He's playing a majority of his minutes at the forward position, according to basketball reference. Uh, he has been weak link, really, within Ben. You know, there's certain guys on the bench that Can are. Can we just not... talk about basketball references? Um, yeah, okay. It's the guy who is the largest. He's taller than Kelly. Kelly's actually the one in the forward when he's there. All right. Well, um, that being said, then Kelly would probably end up playing the three if Frank Kaminsky was able to play the four and either yes. uh, Bant right. So it's having the same effect. Better. Us, right? Yep. Exactly. Um, but but Cam Johnson right now is is clearly the weak link when you look at uh, the Suns bench from a statistical standpoint. Uh, Monty Williams is between a rock and a hard place, having to play him a little bit more than he would probably like to because of the lack of bench depth. But at the same time, you also need to play this rookie that you just drafted pretty high uh, so you can get him experience playing the game and he can make meaningful contributions as the season starts to uh, get a little bit older. But, uh, you know, what have your guys' thoughts been on on Cam Johnson um, and the role he's playing right now with the Suns? I felt really bad for him. I'll tell you that I mean, in that Miami game, I felt really bad for him getting just completely stuffed on an attempt to do a two hand dunk on a breakaway that would have tied the game late in the third. He got stuffed onto his back um, and it just does look like he's trying to catch up. Guess what? Surprise, surprise. He's a rookie and he needs to catch up. <laughs> that just is the way it is. I think he's going to be fine. But right now, yes, I'm sure if I'm Monty Williams, and I'm trying to win games. I'd rather put somebody out there who looks a little bit more matched with the competition. Not every rookie is totally ready uh, the moment he steps on the court. In fact, most rookies are bad. Most rookies are not good on a good team. Uh, that's just the way it is. And now suddenly the, the standard is different now for the Suns. The Suns have been playing rookies. I, I saw uh, a, I saw somebody comment on um, Eric Pascal, Pascal, something like that for Golden State. He's the first Golden State rookie to do X, Y, and Z in a game in eight years. Well, yeah, because they didn't play any other rookies because they were a good team. And even though the uh, Kevin, come on, Looney might've been better. Someone else might've been able to put up the stats that Eric Pascal is doing. They didn't have a chance because the team was good. And that's what's happening with this son's team. It's okay that your rookies don't look matched to the NBA. It's okay that they need some time to adjust to the game. What, and just because the, that, uh, uh, Cam Johnson was drafted to be ready for the NBA. That didn't mean day one he was going to be his best self. I mean, the guy is is has got to adjust. He's still making a lot of threes. Uh, not, I mean, he's making enough. He's like 35% right now. It can get worse than that. I mean, he's doing pretty well on that. He hasn't made any clutch ones. He hasn't. He hasn't been the guy who you go, wow, he was he was underdrafted. No, 
but he's going to take some time. I'd like to take a look at him in March to see if he's playing at that point in the rotation. I think he just might be. The Suns actually will have a very pleasant problem to deal with when DeAndre Ayton and Ty Jerome are back and available for that rotation to see who does drop out, who does lose minutes. Mikel Bridges is going to find himself a little bit more, I think, as as the year goes on. And so he's going to be more viable. I think there are a lot of guys actually who will be um, – making more of a name for themselves in the, in the rotation. And, and the curious thing will be who drops out. So I'm looking forward to it, but whether Cam Johnson should be playing less minutes right now is, is a fact. It's a fact. Yeah. And the part of the problem that, that I've noticed with Cam Johnson is simply uh, he, he doesn't want to pass up a shot even when he's uh, any, when he's, out of rhythm, uh, which I guess is shoot or shoot. And, well, that's better than and, Frank Kaminsky you know, passing up shots when he's supposed to be in rhythm. Th- this is true, but I, I he he was rough the last few games, Cam Johnson, and uh, and it didn't slow his uh, his willingness to shoot, and, and and he'll shoot himself out of it eventually. He'll he'll get back into a rhythm, but it has been it has been ugly. Uh, recently, and and like you said, Dave, that that's all right. He's a rookie, uh, and they're not relying on him to be the answer, uh, the main answer for anything. Like the past handful of years, they like they have with their rookies. This is all right, uh, and an acceptable situation for him to be. May it ca- might it cause him to fall out of the rotation for a brief time? Sure, it might, but that doesn't also. Uh, necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It just means he's uh, he's learning the game. He'll learn in practices. He'll wind up getting that shot back, and Monty will put him back in a in a, a situation to succeed. Easy enough for me to say. Uh, and so uh, so I I'm not worried about Cam Johnson. Would I like to see less of him on the court right now? Yes, because it's been tough to watch, but I don't think this is a long-term indication on his ability to shoot the basketball. Well, well, let me let me follow that up then. What um, what can Monty do to at least, because I'm not particularly worried about him either, um, but what can Monty do to at least stop the bleeding when Cam Johnson is on the floor? Don't put him on the floor. <laughs> Monty's I mean, kind of in a tough one. spot. He just needs players to play a little bit better. Um, he he just needs he uh, he needs Frank Kaminsky to come back to being the the early season Frank and at least to be the Charlotte Frank. Right now, Frank Kaminsky is playing like somebody who doesn't who doesn't belong, um, and he need that needs to change. Now um, he is making. I mean, he's he's doing okay defensively. Um, so it's not completely a, wa- a wash just because he won't shoot threes, but he's, he's, it's becoming, he's, be- uh, he's becoming Dragon Bender before our eyes offensively. Frank Kaminsky is, and we all know how that went for Dragon. So, uh, that's what Monty really needs. And then he doesn't have to play cam as much, but he also just needs to give cam a little bit of time to get adjusted. So the players have to play a little bit better. I'm not sure Monty has any options right now to uh, put somebody else in for bigger minutes. You're not going to play Elia Kobo, and that's about the only dude that's sitting on the bench that's healthy, right? Who else is yeah. not getting... Oh, Check Diallo. Check Diallo, he doesn't, has not looked good. Check Diallo has not looked good. He's looked worse than Cam. Uh, so it, there's just so many options once you get past the top 10. 
Yeah, and look, uh, Tyler Johnson will will help when uh, when he comes back, or excuse me, Ty Jerome will help when he uh, when he comes back because it'll give you another option uh, to uh, to mix up the rotation a little bit. But the bench right now uh, is is having a rough go of it. I mean, the 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 Sixers game outside of Tyler Johnson and and the Miami game outside of Tyler Johnson they were basically non-existent in their impact in a game and they need somebody to step up whether it's Bridges whether it's Kaminsky whether it's Cam Johnson all of a sudden uh, shooting the lights out they need somebody else in that bench unit that, to have an impact now when Aiton comes back Baines will go to that bench unit uh, in all likelihood and that will have a positive impact there but we've still got another month before that the bench has to figure out uh, how they can contribute and get back to where at least uh, in part where they were in the first uh, handful of games uh, where they were really having uh, uh, making a dent in in what was going on when uh, the starters were off the court that that's that's the crux of this right now if you look that bench unit just isn't carrying carrying their weight right now and they need to Uh, I've actually thought that Tyler Johnson has looked pretty good well, I did say, it, with the exception of Tyler Johnson, right. when I was talking about it. So I think that means I agree with you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do you think, Tim? What's got to uh, happen? Uh, I want to see. I do want to see the ball in Tyler Johnson's hands uh, a bit more. I want to see a little bit less uh, Javon Carter right now. Um, I think he's he's been in bad his... since his 15 point game. He he's he's had bad moments. For sure, he's he's committed some some really dumb fouls. Uh, he's guarding way too close on the perimeter sometimes when he doesn't need to be. Uh, I want it, but I, I, it's not even that I don't want him on the court. I just specifically want the ball in Tyler Johnson's hands more. I still don't think that Javon Carter uh, runs an offense particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, rest that's hard. Good... I, I also would like to see. And I think Monty's been trying to do this a bit more, but there are times in which it's just all bench units at the end of quarters. And it's painfully clear to me, and I'm sure it's clear to Monty as well, that those all bench units are just not acceptable. You you cannot have that bench unit out there playing. You know, it's interesting because he said at the beginning of the season he wants to work right. toward a core four where two of the four top his most reliable players. I'm look. It's not his four best players. You don't just take the four best players and say that's your core four. I don't think that's what Monty meant. What he meant was my four guys who are most reliable, that of which two will always be on the floor. Well, obviously, when you go an all-bench unit, um, and that I just don't think two of those guys are in that current bench unit. I, I just even though it's maybe not your top four total players, I, I do think it's, it's uh, not the bottom five. So being, being in that core four. So you're right, Tim, I think Monty's got to figure that out, but it is early season. He does keep saying every time we ask, so what's your assessment of the team guys? It's only seven games in. It's only eight <laughs> games. in. Uh, Give me a little bit of 25. Yeah. You can't. Well, I, I got to see him in a game before I know how things are working. And and I did ask him before the Miami game, um, uh, because there were a couple of articles that came out this past week, uh, one by Mike, Mike Prada of SB Nation, who said the Suns are a little predictable. And this is so unique for uh, Suns fans to listen to, because usually the mantra we hear and Greg will remember this and Tim, you'll remember this. Every coach who comes in here says, 
we're going to play hard defense, hard nose defense. We're going to use a lot of effort and we're going to pass the ball a 0.5 type offense. Every coach says that. And then by November, December, they're like, well, we totally scaled back the offense and defense because these guys couldn't get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they start out complicated. They start out with all these plans. And then when it fails miserably, then um, the coach pulls back on most of the game plan offensively and defensively to try to get them to focus on things they do well. Well, Monty's doing the opposite. What, he, what he's doing is he's actually starting with only a few things that they're doing a lot of. And he's, 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 play, he's doing that until they get really, really good at it, which they've already proven. I mean, they still have a top 10, um, well, a top 11 right now defense because Miami went nuts on, on contested threes the other night and, and Jimmy Butler contested shots. But they're still in a pretty good defense and they're a pretty good offense and they're doing some particular things very well and they're not being very creative. Well, Monty did say that he's installing more and more of his offense and defense every few weeks because he doesn't want to overload these guys. He wants these guys to be able to actually execute really well something. So um, I guess uh, uh, so Monty is still experimenting is what I'm saying. And he wasn't really expecting the Suns to be five and two or five and three. Now that they after the Miami game, he was expecting them to still be building. And he doesn't want people to think they're better than they are, which is really good to hear your coach say. Well, Dave, you made the point earlier, too, that uh, without DeAndre Ayton, this offense looks a little one dimensional, a little flat when it comes to the bigs in particular. And when he comes back, that'll add a, a different wrinkle to the offense as well, which should make it less, uh, you know, one dimensional and, uh, and predictable, like uh, Prada was saying, and, and like others have, have mentioned. So I think that's, uh, that's something encouraging to look forward to as well, on top of what Monty's adding in there. I wanted to give uh, Serene here in the chat, and Tim, uh, lose your mind if you want, because I'm going off script, but uh, it brought up <sighs> the Suns are 5-3 and three and had one bad game, seven good ones, and because of recency bias, we all lose our mind. What is going on? I think it's a pretty fair, I mean, I don't think we seem to be losing our mind, but I get the, get the point here that, yeah, it's recency bias, and it's one of those things when you've been hurt as many times as Suns fans have here, uh, I, I don't think it's a surprise that people start to freak out. I've mentioned it even when they were, you know, five and two and, and winning early on, it gets in your head where you go, don't trust it. This is still the Suns. This is it, something will turn. And I think that's what we're seeing here is believing the good is much tougher than giving in to what you've been conditioned to believe over the better part of the last decade. So people default to what they know uh, and what is that that comfort uh, zone for them. And believing that this is too good to be true is the default for a lot of people. And I think that is what's going on. And one loss triggered that for a lot of people. Uh, the roster exception, the Suns, I believe, were granted uh, with the, the eight in suspension. Um, any, any news on that? Any idea where they might go? No, I kind of actually, a lot of people were buzzing that maybe, um, Alan Williams, big sauce, who's from Phoenix and his mom is still the chief of police here, um, would come back, but I haven't heard a word. Yeah. I don't know what they're waiting on in terms of that. Is there uh, the other thing? I haven't heard, bless you. Uh, I haven't heard anything in regards to the, uh, supposed uh 
you know, fight against Aiton's suspension. So are they still appealing that? Is that potentially why the Suns are holding off on on a roster uh, exemption there? Uh, I'm not aware. Uh, do you know anything, Dave, on that front as you pick your nose on camera? Sorry about that. Uh, but I did at least mute myself after the sneeze. I couldn't find the mute button before the sneeze came out. So sorry about that, fans. <laughs> so did you, did you hear Greg's question? I did hear Greg's question, and that's why I punted over to Greg, because I hadn't heard anything. <laughs> Greg punted back. <laughs> what is this, hacky sack? Oh, uh, hey. No, I haven't heard anything either. Um, I don't have the the deepest sources though we probably should ask gambo um he's got deeper sources than either of us the well, sons are pretty tight-lipped on that kind of thing if he's not tweeting it pretty loudly he probably doesn't know anything either uh, on that front uh, I, I don't know uh, I, and, and maybe they they want to hold that exemption in case you know somebody gets injured and they need something specific uh, I, I don't know what the thinking thinking is right now but let's be honest anybody that you're going to add at this point and try to add to that uh, uh with that exemption isn't going to be somebody that is a giant difference maker because if they're out on the street right now not on a roster uh they're obviously not uh, you know one of the best in the in the nba so i don't think it's going to be hey having hey, huge impact hey hold on carmelo anthony is available like i said if they're out said, on the street yeah. right now, they're not one of the best in the NBA, and Carmelo falls in that list. Uh, I, I I do think that there there it could be something um, to like a, a Joakim Noah type signing, you know, for a couple of weeks. I think that that could be beneficial. Uh, somebody that's a huge difference maker and a star. Obviously, you're right. There's nobody out there. Hold on a second. Um, do you see the irony if they sign Joakim Noah? A he also got suspended for the same thing at one point, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and B, he and Devin Booker were the ones that were fighting over double teams this summer. I don't see Joe Kim Noah being the answer here. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I assume that Booker could suck it up for a few games if it, if it meant empowering the bench unit a little bit. I, oh, hey. Can you uh, imagine Joe Kim Noah like trying to shoot threes? The dude. Remember his his jumper was literally from his his navel. Amari's so still out there. If he becomes a three point shooter, that would be pretty bad. Yeah, uh, Jamal Crawford, Lance Stevenson, and, uh, Fabio, and uh, <laughs> Eric point out. Are you guys surprised Jamal Crawford isn't on a uh, any roster this year? No, I'm surprised he hasn't given it up and put on a suit and been in somebody's front office. That's that is what I'm surprised about. Because he would be great in someone's front office as a player relations type guy, um, learning the ropes kind of like James Jones did for a year. I I really did. I don't know why. There was no connections. There was no reason to think this is true. But um, I really did hope and expect possibly that James uh, Jones would hire him in his front office. Maybe he's still waiting for a team to call. Maybe he wants to play for the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> they need people. Speaking of retired guys that I that I hope land a job in the NBA, uh, Channing Fry needs a, a television job with a with a team or with a network because that dude is hilarious right now. Sorry, side side thought, but uh, just uh, just wanted to throw that out there. So yeah, well, um, I think that's uh, all for the show. Unless you guys have something else. Well, I I just think don't don't panic like we said. There's no reason 
to freak out about about this team at this moment. Don't give in to the voice in your head and uh, and think that uh, that all is uh, potentially lost because there's a difference here. Monty Williams is a calming force. Monty Williams is a guy that's been through this uh, and a guy that has connected from everything I've heard within uh, the organization, those around it, has connected with these players. And I don't see uh, in any way this being similar to in years past. These are guys that take great pride in what they're doing, uh, guys that, that have bought into what's going on here. And yeah, sure, May they wind up uh, sub-500? Yes, we all thought they were going to be, but this is not going to be a team that looks demoralized or uh, or like they've given up at any point this year. It's just going to ebb and flow, and we need to accept that and, and enjoy the ride because we're going to see probably more good basketball than we see bad basketball this year, and that's not something we've been able to say in a very very long time around here and I know not everybody has had a chance to see this team in person but having done it on Monday night they passed the eye test this is a team a, a real NBA team unlike uh, the the groups that have uh, been paraded out there and and acting like NBA teams the last handful of years so is it it, it may was five and two maybe a bit of a mirage sure but they're certainly not a 19-win team either. So, so lock in. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting season, and we're going to have uh, have fun with it. So, so do we have new win predictions? Uh, so yeah, my I mean, prediction preseason was, huh? We already talked about that a couple episodes. I'm All going right. 45. Yeah, you're uh, I think you must have done 35. that with John Bloom. Yeah, well, it's still 32 to 35 for me. Nothing really. Yeah, because look. We know that that Such it will a even out. Nelly. I'm not negative. I just you look at it and I think it will even <laughs> out. And you look at it, a Miami game and they're going to have nights like that. And I'd I'd like I'm to up say in the 40s. I think I, I think is if there's no injuries, nothing else weird happens like like the Aiton suspension. Closer to 500 is is more likely. But I just you know how it plays out in a season. Seasons are long. Guys get injured. Uh, uh, weird things happen, so I still think On 32 every to 35 uh, is is still something that if they wind up in that range, we shouldn't be uh, upset with this team. We should go. That's a huge improvement. This is this is a good thing, rather than all of a sudden because of a hot hot start being disappointed in that because it would be a huge step. And we all knew that this year was all about taking a step. This was not about everything being solved in one off season and and one year that this was the the next step and and an evolution for this team and and next year the year after was when they were really going to going to take that leap so if they wind up with 32 or 35 in that range i'm still happy with what what's happened this season and i think other fans should be too Right, well, I'm you... still in the 40s. I'm already in the 40s, and I think the Suns will be fighting for a playoff spot because a lot of the teams in the West who were going to be fighting for that last two playoff spots have come out of the gate much slower than the Suns and looking much less sustainable. So, sure, the uh, the Pelicans may go on a run. The Kings may go on a run, but I don't think uh, 
that they've got any they've got anything over the Suns anymore. So I really do think the Suns are going to be fighting for a playoff spot unless some major catastrophes happen. I mean, obviously we can't predict major catastrophes, but this team with this rotation, adding DeAndre Ayton at some point soon, adding Ty Jerome at some point soon, I don't see this team fading back. And I do think that they'll be over 40 wins and fighting for a playoff spot. That's my call. Look, recency bias is a two-way street. Both positive and negative impact perception. And and I think we are all uh, a little too high based on the 5-2 and two start. And then uh, some people a little too low after a Miami loss. I'm just saying I, I went into the season looking at, at, at all this and said if, if they're in that range, I would be happy. And I don't think a 5-2 and two start should all of a sudden make me go, I'm going to be immensely pissed off if, they, if they're at, at 32 wins at the end of the year when you consider where they came from. That's my only point. I, I think they likely are better than that, but I, I'm still looking at that and go, trying to be realistic in it and not, not letting seven games, eight games uh, – totally skew a perspective to where I'm going to be angry if if they have what should be looked at as a great improvement of a season. So on that note, I do want to thank a listener for supporting the show. So if you guys do want to support the Solar Panel Podcast, you can do so. If you're watching on YouTube, it's in the show notes below right next to the support the show um, uh, button right there. You can There's a link to click there. You can do a one, a five, or a $10 monthly donation. It really does help, and we appreciate you. If you do the $10 option, I will personally send you a bunch of sun swag. And we do have a new subscriber, Sarah Combs. I, I think it's our first female uh, supporter of the show. So thank you so much, Sarah. Hit us up on Twitter at Sun Solar Panel. Let me know your address and I will get that sent out to you this week. Hey, I want to throw a listener comment in here real quick. Uh, JB85 says, staying competitive is all I care about. We will naturally win more, but no more getting blasted off the court. And I think that is a key here. Uh, you know, for me as well is uh, as long as these are games that the Suns are in, that they're toss-up games if they lose in, in a lot of cases, uh, and it's not it's not getting crushed. It, that's that's where the, pers- the perspective of if you're in 32 to 35 uh, is where I feel okay. If they wind up defaulting to losing by 2025 20, in, in a lot of games that, that that they lose, then it feels a little different. But if this team is competitive and still feels in that range, I'm okay with that. 